Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Trinity Episcopal Pocatello podcast. Peace be with you. We continue our earthly journey today by listening to a homily all about being a good neighbor. Who is my neighbor? A lawyer asks of Jesus, prompting Jesus to tell one of the most famous parables of the Gospels. Based on scripture from Luke chapter 10, this homily is about making choices that help us glimpse God's kingdom. Here is Reverend Haiti with her sermon, Doing the Right Thing. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's a legal question, or at least it starts out that way. And it's a bad faith legal question. The lawyer, Luke tells us, is trying to test Jesus. Jesus doesn't bite. Answer the question yourself, he says. What does the law say? There's an easy answer, and the lawyer gives it. He recites a chunk of the Shema Israel, a declaration of faith that every person listening knows by heart. They've prayed it all their lives. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, he says. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Who could argue? In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus himself called these the first and greatest commandments. The devil, of course, is in the details. So the lawyer keeps pushing. Who is my neighbor, he asks. If he can get Jesus to say something specific, then he can argue about the specifics. After all, Jesus and his followers have been traveling through Samaria, a non-Jewish area. If you were here last week, you heard about some of this in last week's gospel. It sounded last week like they were planning to stay with non-Jews, eat with non-Jews, heal non-Jews, They've probably blown past any number of minor ritual laws, and my bet is that this lawyer can list every single law they've broken. He's looking forward to it. Again, Jesus doesn't bite. Instead, he tells a story, a parable. And like many parables, this one does more than one thing. On one level, it helps him slip through the lawyer's trap. Jesus does speak to the specific question that the lawyer asked, but he doesn't answer the question. 
He makes the lawyer do it. Nothing about his beliefs. Nothing about his travels. Nothing about the law. But he makes his point. Following the greatest commandments is more important than following the smallest ones. The boundaries between Jew and non-Jew aren't anywhere near as rigid as the lawyer wants to argue. And since the lawyer is himself a member of the religious elite, the fact that other members of the religious elite don't come off too well in this story is kind of a bonus. On another level, however, this parable also speaks to Jesus' other listeners. For many of them, as for many of us, the lawyer's question isn't a gotcha. It's real. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Is going to church enough? Reading the Bible? Donating to the food bank? Not yelling at a neighbor who starts mowing at 7 a.m.? You and I are pretty familiar with this short and troubled, limited life that we've got here. We have been taught that God has a life for us that is bigger and more blessed than the one we know. And we believe that. Or we wonder about that. Or we hope that. Often all of those things at different moments. But if there is another life, how do we get there? What do we have to do? For a lot of people, that's one of the central questions of faith. Am I doing this right? Am I doing this right enough? Now this is where I, as a preacher, want to charge in and remind us that the gospel's good news isn't necessarily about what we do. It's about what Jesus has already done for us. But today... I'm not sure that that's helpful. The good news is about Jesus, absolutely. But our choices do still matter in this life. Jesus said that over and over. It's not always clear, it's not ever clear, how God's love and our choices fit together. But we know that when we lose track of either one, we're in a bit of trouble. If we're wondering what those choices should look like, though, being reminded of the greatest commandment probably doesn't feel a whole lot more helpful. It's like wanting to lose weight and being told to exercise and eat wisely. Okay, so what does that look like? And what does loving your neighbor as yourself look like? Good question, says Jesus. Here's a story. Even if you have never heard this story before, I'm guessing the moral is pretty clear. Be a good neighbor, even to others who have no claim on you, even if it costs you, even if the leaders around you aren't setting the greatest example. There is no excuse not to. 
If you've heard this story a few times, maybe even heard a couple of sermons on the subject, you might be able to take the moral up a notch. Be a good neighbor to others even when you despise them or are scared of them. Even when they despise you or are scared of you. The man who is good to others in this story is someone who doesn't follow the law as Jesus' listeners understand it. He's a Samaritan, not a Jew. He's one of the wolves among whom the lambs were sent in last week's gospel reading. Ritually unclean, a hostile, scary outsider, and he's following the greatest commandments better than the religious leaders are. So what do we do with this parable? If we try to apply it narrowly, does it mean we have to start looking for people in trouble who might threaten us or feel threatened by us? Do we have to go to extraordinary lengths to help them, all of them? That can feel like a lot. It can feel like being told to jog every day before coming home to a lunch of kale salad with no dressing. Forever. (laughs) If that's the law, our first reading from Deuteronomy this morning feels like a challenge. Because this law can feel too hard, too far away. Now, this is a story, not a set of instructions. Each of us will apply it to our own lives differently, and that is the way it's supposed to be. But as I've read and reread it this week, I've become increasingly persuaded that to apply this story to our lives at all in any way is what Jewish tradition calls tikkun olam, to repair the world. In our tradition, we might say it is to become a creator and participant in the kingdom of God. It is to create and glimpse God's world in this life, to get there by radical love for those who may be profoundly different from us. This parable invites us not to look at constraints, what I can't do, what I have to do, but at possibility, what I could do, who I could help, who I could be what this world could be if people loved and served each other no matter who they are, no matter who we are. So perhaps you and I should be hearing this not as a test, but as a model, just as we see Jesus himself as a model. I am never going to be Jesus. That I'm never going to be the Samaritan either. It's not my starting point. It's not my ending point. But it is a chance, a chance to become closer to the person God calls me to be, to become closer to the people God calls his own, to become closer to God, to glimpse God's kingdom. Do this 
Jesus says. And you will live. Amen. We are grateful you've listened today, and we hope you found something helpful in today's episode. Our mission is to weave God's unfinished tapestry, and by listening, you are a part of that mission. So thank you. If you would like to know more about our parish or the Episcopal Church, you can find us online at www.trinitypocatello.org. Thanks be to God.